powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Happy Wednesday, everyone. We got another name to tie to the Seahawks coaching search, not the head coaching search, of course. That would be Mike McDonald as your new head coach, but still looking for coordinators. Bump, I thought that they figured out DC that it would just be Leslie Frazier, mm-hmm. but no. We got another name, or should I say another name? (laughs) Coming up at 1030 before we get to it. Chip Kelly reportedly interviewing with the Seahawks for the OC gig. How are we feeling about it? This report, by the way, from The Ringer. A chip Um, off the old block, huh? You see what I did there? I saw it. Curtis ain't here today, so I'll I'll hit you with a a dad bar to start the show. That's okay. But um, Chip Kelly. So now people think of Chip Kelly, and I think... They um they go back to his time with the Eagles to where um it was okay with the Eagles. It ended poorly, but the first two years were okay. Yeah, they were, they were ten and six. Um had the second overall offense in the league. The following year they were ten and actually they won the NFC West that year too in twenty thirteen. Ten and six in twenty fourteen, fifth overall offense in twenty fifteen, dropped to seven and nine, had the twelfth overall offense. Then he goes over to the 49ers in twenty sixteen, and it was just all bad. He was only there for a year. He makes a jump to UCLA. I also think that when people think of Chip Kelly, they think that um he's gonna throw the ball across the yard. That's not necessarily what he likes to do. Look at what he did with the UCLA Bruins last year. Led the Pac-12 in rush yards per game, 197 yards on the ground. What he does is spreads the uh, the defense out with his formations, and then he runs the football, and he uses his tight ends. I look at Chip Kelly and what he did over there with UCLA, what he did with Oregon, and, uh, and his little stint in the league, and I go, I'm all right with this interview. I'm completely fine with it. This guy has been at this level before, and now the NFL game resembles a college game more now than it ever has Mm -hmm. before. So, again, I like getting a guy who's connected to the college game, who understands how these young men operate. Now, the knock on Chip, people are going to say, well, he's not the nicest guy in the world. He ain't got to be the nicest guy in the world. I don't really care for that. He, uh, I think once you get into his circle, once he trusts you, obviously you see a side that most people yeah. don't. If you're on the media side, which I've been for the Pac-12 Network the last three or four years, he ain't going to give you too much. He'll be respectful and say hello, but then he's moving on. So personality-wise, I say um, it's being blown out of proportion. I think Chip is a cool dude. I think he's fine. Okay. I think he's just a, a stern football coach. He's old school. He's not one of these young cats offensively I like what he does he spreads the football around gets it to his playmakers but he loves to run the football and I think that um, when you look at the the Seattle Seahawks how do you help Geno you establish the run allow him to play action off of that get the tight ends involved that's what he did over there with UCLA for anyone who needs a trip down memory lane to figure out how they feel about Chip Kelly let's go ahead and take one from the late John Clayton this is back in 2015 on why Chip was fired from the Eagles yeah because it's really not in the nature of Jeff Laurie to make this bold of a decision I mean, one, he does care about winning. He cares about the fans, but he's usually very lenient as far as being able to support the people that are there. And I think everybody took the idea, knowing how Jeff is, that he would give Chip one more year. But I think that the one thing that would be the caveat in that would be the discussion that probably ended up happening today is, okay, who's going to pick the players? Because Lurie clearly had to go to Chip Kelly and say, this did not work. I gave you the ability to pick the players and the team's looking worse. It's worse at wide receiver. It's worse on the offense. 
offensive line. It's not as good on defense. And so all those moves that you're made, particularly at the running back position, did not go. So what probably ended up happening is they were going back and forth over who was going to pick the players, be the general manager, whatever you want to call it. Because I know Chip doesn't call himself a GM, but he was the GM and he was the one who helped pick the players. And so that probably led to a discussion that now has him available. And I would not be surprised if he does get another NFL job. So let's talk about what happened with the Eagles very quickly, because it does point to the red flags that some people have that Bump said he's not entirely concerned about. He thinks they're blown out of proportion, but it's worth at least looking back to. So after the 2014 season, Chip Kelly, uh, like uh, John mentioned here, was given more control of the team. They had had two really successful seasons uh, in 2013 and 14, double-digit win seasons. They did great stuff offensively. They outperformed expectation. And so he was given more control over personnel. Not all of those moves were popular. He traded LaShawn McCoy. uh, Then he cut a a veteran starter. Now, we've seen a head coach come in here and cut popular players. Hi, welcome Pete Carroll to the Seahawks. They made a ton of controversial moves. Uh, Fortunately for Pete Carroll, those ended up working out because they had amazing draft classes. Unfortunately for Chip Kelly, his moves did not end up working out. For instance, he traded McCoy for Kiko Alonso, who didn't play at all that season. Uh, And then he cut uh, someone who ended up being great on another team defensively. Uh, brought in Sam Bradford, who then missed the entire season when he tore his ACL. What just a sad career for him. I mean, he made a ton of money. I was going to say he made a ton of money. Physically, not, made not a ton of money, but but uh, but yeah. Um, I remember when that happened actually. But um, it just it, 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 there was no corresponding move that worked out for him. So he was a mover and a shaker, and then it didn't work out. And then those relationships hurt, right? You start hurting your relationships with players. You start uh, hurting your relationship with the organization, and then it doesn't work out. He goes to the 49ers, coaches for one season. He inherits a bad team Mm -hmm. and doesn't do anything with it. So I count that as part of it. But, like, really you're looking at what happened with Philadelphia. What are you hoping he learned, if anything, from that? Um, First, let me say, let me echo what the text lines are saying. So nice to hear the great John Clayton on the airwaves again. So big ups, John, man. We miss you. Um, Again, the same thing, the same approach I take with players, right? Say Spencer Rattler, for example. The, the approach I took with him, you watch him on the Netflix QB1 and you go, man, that young man is immature. He is not a great leader. I hope he, uh, he, he develops as a person in college. Then you see him in the Senior Bowl. You listen to the way people are talking about him. They say, look, he watched that Netflix series. He understood what people saw, and he adjusted not his personality, but his approach. He grew. He matured. That's the same way I look at Chip Kelly. I, I, I can't stand when people see one stint of a guy's career and say, that's who he's going to be for the rest of his sure. career. I don't care how old you are. You can be your 40s or 50s and 60s. You're always growing in this game. So I look at Chip Kelly, and I go, this is what I think that he's learned. One, I think he learned that he might just want to be a coordinator in the NFL being the head coach and having to answer to people and do all these other things might not be for him at that level so that's what I think he's learned that he might be more comfortable just calling plays I think he understands players a bit more he's dealing with a different generation now than he did back in what 09 to 2012 when he was the head coach over there with the Oregon Ducks just a different breed of guys so he's learned and and, and then also he's I think he's expanded his offense as well you look at the things that he did with UCLA um, again he had three different quarterbacks start for him and they still were able to win some ball games mm-hmm. he established a run game with Zach Sharp 
Charbonnet over there. Again, a connection there. He found a uh, a guy that no one's really looking at, and Jake Bobo from Duke brought him over and helped him in his career. I think all Chip Kelly has done everywhere except for the 49ers is win ball games. He did have one bad year with the um, with the Eagles in 2015, but that's bound to happen if you're out of place long enough. He was there three years and won what, uh, 27 games over there. So I, I think he's learned – more of uh, who he is. He's already known who he is. Now, Chip has been an innovator in the college game. Mm -hmm. But I I think that as he's made these stops, he's added to what his offense is trying to do and how you get there. And I love the approach that Chip Kelly brings to a ball game. And he wants to run the football, but he will light you up through the air as well. So um, I'm hoping that uh, if Chip does get this job, I'm hoping that he brings that same type of offense to Seattle because I think that team is built for the – run the football, then take your shots down the field. But again, also a veteran on that side of the football that has been a head coach in this league, has had some success and some failures, and can help Mike McDonald along the way. Because that's what your assistant coaches are here to do. Support your head coach in any way that he needs you. If he needs the receivers to snap it off at four and a half instead of five, you make sure those receivers are at four and a half. If he needs your Mike linebacker to take what uh, what Dave Wyman describes when he got to the league and says, no, I, I want a, a six-inch step to the right. If you need your backers to do that, then you go ahead and do that. And I think Chip Kelly and Frazier, if they were together on this coaching staff, would support Mike McDonald on both sides of the football. And I think it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. You mentioned uh, the NFL changing quite a bit, which I think is an important note because I, uh, who know less about football than you do and have not paid close attention to all Pac-12 schools the way you have by nature of working for the Pac-12 network, I look at Chip Kelly, who was head coach at Oregon during my time uh, at UW, so I saw an up-close-and-personal view of like the best version of Chip Kelly's offenses and did not enjoy it um, because they were so dominant. I mean, they were averaging almost 50 points per game. Crazy. It was absolutely insane. Um and in my mind, in my warped memory of it, uh, he went to the NFL. It worked for a little bit. He did have, I think, a top five or top ten scoring offenses with Philly for two years. And then the league responded. And so the narrative I had when I saw this when I saw this report from the ringer that Chip Kelly was being interviewed or was talking to the Seahawks about the OC gig, my, my immediate thought was, NFL's adapted to him. Has he changed? Mm-hmm. Is that too simple a thought? And it's a b- no. be blunt with me. No, it's not simple. I think that um, because when you see the things that Chip Kelly was doing, right, you leave Oregon, you get to um, to Philadelphia, and I'll never forget. I think it was a Monday night football game against uh, the the then Washington Redskins. And the first play of the game, Mike Vick goes up top to Deshaun Jackson. Then they get the football again and that the offense is going, right? Because that's another thing mm-hmm. that Chip Kelly brought to the game of football was that hurry up. We're going to tempo the heck out of you. I work with uh, Coach Aliotti over there for the Pat 12 Network. He was a defensive coordinator for Oregon at the time. And he always talks about how practice was so tough because of the tempo that the offense played with. He was on the uh, defensive side. So I think that the NFL did respond to that. They, uh, they um once you put something on film and once teams see how you approach things and how you attack it, there's always a defense defensive coordinator talking about, okay, how do we slow that down? How do we slow the game down? And um, the league did adapt. And I think that that's why we saw him kind of have the decline towards the end of the season or end of his career there. You look at what happened with the 49ers. I think that was all personnel. 
But what do you do? You bounce back. You go to college. You revamp some things. You have some success. You run the football. You do your thing. And now you're ready for a second stint. But this time, you don't have to be in control of everything. And I think only having to focus on one side of the football and not all the extra stuff that comes mm-hmm. with a head coach can help a guy like Chip Kelly as well. You're He was a head coach in college football during the hardest time there is to be a head coach in college football with NILs yeah. and the transfer portal and still found a way to make UCLA extremely competitive, especially defensively. So um, what exactly did he learn? I'm sure there are a bunch of things that um, – that I, I'm not even aware of that he learned. But there's no way that Chip Kelly bounced back to college football and didn't take anything with him if he does make this uh, this climb back to the top. So to answer your question simply, uh, yeah, NFL adapts. And that's what people do. And uh, I think Chip Kelly adapted during his time away as well. All right, Get Off My Lawn, our favorite segment, coming up at 1045. Can't wait to get to that. And then we're going to have a, a conversation responding to a ton of texts that we've seen from the Mac and Jacks text line over the last several weeks. Would Justin Fields be a good option at quarterback in Seattle? Finally getting to that conversation, what that would potentially cost. We have new information from Adam Schefter, in an interview with an ESPN affiliate that he had not too long ago. So we'll explore all of that. Coming up at the top of the hour right now, let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. The Astros have signed Jose Altuve to a five-year extension worth $125 million. What's the real headline? He'll be able to quit his job at Keebler with that kind of cash. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, it's Jose Altuve. Now, I know we all have our feelings about uh, the little slugger over there. The I have facts, my feelings about that team. That team. And him, too. You know, he's part of that whole deal. Sure. But uh, this is what you do with talent, man. Say what you want about their cheating allegations. You look at the numbers on Jose Altuve, and he's one of the best in the game right now and will be for a long time. So go ahead and lock him down. You hate to see it, but you understand why the Astros are doing it. Altuve, get your money one twenty-five. Million guaranteed. Should have played baseball, Stace. I really should have. I messed up. I could have done it. I, I look at, uh, I look at what Jose Altuve has been able to do, and I say, you know what? Maybe for us petites, there was a path for me. I um, it's one of those things. It's the same way I look at the 49ers. I dislike the Astros more as an organization than I do the 49ers. But it's this kind of like resentful respect. Right. You know what I mean? Where you see what they've been able to do, and you go. God, you did this the right way. Minus the cheating on the part of the Houston Astros. They otherwise, they drafted exceptionally well. They developed right. well. They hit on on um, a really good core group of talent. And it's, uh, it's frustrating to watch them like a many-headed monster just never go away. And I think that, um, unfortunately, for a little bit with the Seattle Mariners, this, there was this idea that we in Seattle could pick up ground as Houston somehow naturally regressed. Mm-hmm. And that's just not going to happen because great organizations don't take huge steps backwards in- <laughs> intentionally. Like, they're going to continue to develop. Now Texas is in the mix, uh, going out and spending a ton of money. Like, hey, Seattle, you got to compete as though the the Rangers and Astros aren't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah you have to because they aren't going anywhere. And they've shown that um, they're willing to spend and keep their guys, keep their core together. That's what a Houston's been able to do over the years. And then the Rangers uh, spending money like uh, they got a black card out there. They probably do, honestly. But, uh, yeah, keeping up. You got to keep up with the Joneses. And the Joneses in this division, Houston and the Rangers. 
Headline rewrites. Fox, Warner Brothers, Discovery, and Disney will launch a joint streaming venture that will combine ESPN, Fox Sports, and Turner Sports into one app. What's the real headline? Inspired by Curtis Rogers. <laughs> They're calling it Cable. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, take a listen. Streaming service, but we're combining all the channels together and you can kind of like buy one package for it. We don't know what we're calling it yet, but I want you to pretend you got all your channels together. This, it just sounds like I got to pay for another subscription eventually. I mean, look, streaming has been great. Um, You can control when you watch stuff. It's not like, remember the days where you had to rush to the restroom, grab your snacks, doing a commercial? Those days are over. Right, and streaming uh, plays a big part of that. But I'm also looking at this thing and go, all right, so who do I, what do I get rid of? I got Fubo. I have uh, Hulu. Um, I had Peacock for like three days. I'm just saying, it just it seems like it's never going to stop. I gotta uh, bring out break out the budget now. I mean, the wife you gotta sit down and be like, all right, what 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 service are we gonna go with? Yeah. Because uh, they're everywhere right now, and uh, I don't know, man. We'll see how this thing shapes up. But yes, it's cable essentially. I, I know. I do think it's gonna be this full circle kind of thing. Like I uh, have Hulu Live. And they're essentially just cable. It's like, okay, so we're going to be streaming, but instead of paying uh, Comcast or whoever, you're just going to pay us. But it's essentially the same thing, and the price is going to keep going higher. It's just that kind of like uh, that full circle kind of thing where things just evolve into the thing it was trying to replace. <laughs> That's all that's going to happen. It's, come, it's like fashion. You know, it just comes right back. Everything comes full circle. Comes back. I was actually thinking in a weird way. You know how they say the political spectrum is like a horseshoe? Yeah. That extreme uh, right, extreme left can sometimes agree on the same issues. Mm-hmm. And in a really weird way, they kind of mirror each other on certain things. Yeah. That's kind of, it's. I don't know why it made me think of that, but it's this thing that's like something built to replace something else. Yeah. And they just end up uh-huh. mirroring each other. And yeah. Exactly. I got a little philosophical about I like that. that. You know what? You painted the picture I saw. <laughs> I was like that painting a horseshoe <laughs> in the air. What's next? Headline rewrites. Today marks the start of the late signing period in college football. What's the real headline? Hopefully the uh, the Huskies can add 20 players. <laughs> 20 starters at that, 20 right? starters, yeah. Goodness gracious. I mean, uh, this is um, it's time to buckle down. This is where Jed Fish makes his money. He's known to be a great recruiter. Now, he's kind of behind the eight ball at this point because of when he got picked up by the University of Washington. Um, it's going to be tough for him, right? I think this, the first few years have to be tough for this guy because mm-hmm. you lose so many pieces out there. You didn't get the guys to come with you from Arizona that you thought were going to come over there. But, um, yeah, man, uh, the the National Signing Day has become a real thing, man. When I was in high school, it was myself. Jason Williams, who went to Oregon. I had a guy who went to Utah. Another guy went to Weber State and a couple other dudes. And, uh, you know, we just had a nice intimate deal in my in my coach's office and signed our letters of intent and called it good. But now, now it's a big spectacle, man. And the more and more attention we give these young men, the more they're going to eat it up and, I was gonna and say, post on their social. It's a big thing. I'm not hating no. on them because they deserve the recognition, but it's just crazy how, much, how fast it's changed. What do you like and dislike one thing you like and one thing you dislike about the way that recruiting and committing has changed um i like that the top players in the league or excuse me in the country get that espn time 
because nowadays when I was coming up, there was a magazine we used to read to see who was the, the top player everywhere. Now these kids know. A kid in California knows who the top player is in Florida, and he's genuinely interested in where he's going. So we get that information now. What I don't like about it is when they pull out the fake hat. I'm here. No, I'm going here. Just, Actually, the, I got my shirt on. I need yeah. my jacket. It's like, The campiness on, and showiness I of like, it. Because there's some guy who you, you pull out that Georgia hat. There's a recruiter who worked his tail off yeah. to get you, and he's sitting there like, guys, I did it. Guys, I did it. Yeah. And then he doesn't get it. The and then there's out. another guy at Ohio State who goes, we got him, guys. Nah, we ain't got him. And then you go to somewhere like Vander, Bam, Vanderbilt. LSU. <laughs> Some kid's like, we actually got him? We got him to Vanderbilt? <laughs> Goodness gracious. It <laughs> it's just Wait, the, what? the pageantry of it. I get it. Have fun with it. But as I always think of the, the actual recruiters who were stroking these guys' egos yeah. for months now. You're playing with their emotions. You know, it's funny. I feel hypocritical because I love entertainment and I and I talk about loving um, showiness with, uh, with like the types of entertainment that I consume. So it feels hypocritical to say I don't love it from sports, but I'm all with you. I just think that it's like I saw um, a recruit who, and this is not unique at all, but he was like, okay, coming up in 24 hours, I'm going to make my announcement. And it was like this promo image of it. And I was just thinking like, this isn't technically new. Like I know LeBron essentially did a version of this. Mm -hmm. Like plenty of like highly touted prospects have done a version of this for different sports, but like everyone do it. Does everyone need to do it? You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Does everyone, do I need a reality show? No. <laughs> I don't know. You might. I might. You might. Hey, guys, in this week's episode, <laughs> I'm going to go home after work and watch TV. <laughs> hey, this week, for the third time this year, I'm driving to Vancouver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's just, uh, I don't know that every single person needs to tease out this whole production. I think just like... Everyone likes feeling important and famous, and I think that's a very natural human reaction. Everyone loves attention. Yeah, everyone does, especially this generation. But uh, that's just the world that they live in. I mean, they they get to see what everyone is doing at all times. And people are willing to put cameras in their face, to give them a microphone. Um, The world just wants that instant information and satisfaction. So they play into it, man. It's just uh, got to change with the times, man. And, uh, you know, it's it's fun to watch. Again, I just think about the people behind the scenes for getting their their hearts played with. Someone said, Stacy, it's a bell curve, not a horseshoe. First of all, I know what a bell curve is, and it's called a horseshoe theory. It is a different thing. Uh, secondly, someone said Netflix is going to be adding commercials before you know it. You're right. That's exactly right. Streaming right. services are going to, it's just going to become cable. It's cable. <laughs> You're it's cable. absolutely right. You're just viewing it through an app. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's the same thing. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Another name tied to the Seahawks coaching staff will tell you what you need to know about them next. Bump and Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airline Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Washington's biggest night out in sports is coming up February 15th. It's the 89th annual Sports Star of the Year Awards, crowning our state's biggest stars and stories of 2023. Find tickets and info at seattlesports.com/events. Another coach linked to the Seattle Seahawks, not Chip Kelly. This one on the defensive side of things, which is really surprising. Bump, I thought Leslie Frazier was the hire. I thought it was just Leslie Frazier. That's the D.C. with Mike McDonald as the de facto D.C. calling plays. But no, another name, Aiden Durd. He is currently a coach on the defensive staff for the Dallas Cowboys. And very important to note, is British. Okay, two minutes, third down. Game's on the line. Sign him. 
Sign them. Sign them. You know what? When I hear a uh, British person talk about football, he makes it sound so much more complicated, so much smarter. This is the Brits sound smarter when they speak. And um, uh, that's what Aiden sounds like to me. Like, he just knows yeah. the game. Like, you're going to say some stuff to me I've never heard before. Yeah, except when you see this formation, what you going to do? Huh? <laughs> you got to defend a pass, yeah? <laughs> I like that it's got a cockney. cockney? Is that what it's called? Cockney? I I, uh, have you seen, um, man, Top Boy? Watch that. Netflix. Yes, it's so good. Top Boy. Yes. That's what I, I envision Coach Aiden on Top Boy. I, I think you mean Coach Aiden. Like, hey, uh, what is it? Bruv. 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 Hey. <laughs> we can just professionally, there's no way, and I'm, I hope Kyle Brown, our PD, isn't listening. Um, there is professionally no way the two of us should ever interview him if he's hired by the Seahawks, and yet, no one tattle, we should interview him yeah. immediately. Hello, coach. And Matt, and Matt brought up a good point. We should interview him on a Tuesday or on a Monday and ask him <laughs> about tomorrow. Like, what's tomorrow? You know, so we can say the words we want to hear. But here's who he is as a coach. 2018 through 19, he was a Falcons quality control guy. In 2020, um, he was in charge of the outside linebackers. In 2021, uh, he was a D-line coach. As a player, he actually was on the Panthers for a little bit and on the Chiefs practice squad. Um, He also worked in the NFL to help develop international players. Um, He's the second guy from England that has been um, mentioned when it comes to being hired as a coach. Uh, Coach Everell over there was retained by the Panthers. Mm -hmm. He's a guy from England as well. I love that the game is, uh, is reaching other countries. If you look across the world, there are different leagues. There's an Italian league. There's a German league. Like football is growing. And I think this is a, um, a great example of that. But yesterday you and I talked about it. We're like, look, man, it has to be, Mike McDonald and Frazier that yeah, are going to collab when it comes to the, the defensive coordinator deal. We were wrong. So obviously they're looking for somebody else. So they're looking for a guy. And also my theory was maybe Leslie Frazier is in a point of his career where he's okay with just being the mentor mm-hmm. and probably being a defensive coordinator. No, Leslie Frazier's like, look, I'm going to help this guy be the head coach and Mike McDonald. And I'm also going to help the next hire for defensive coordinator be that guy as well. And also this leads into what Mike McDonald said. Look, I want to call plays for the first couple of years. Then I want to hand over the reins to somebody. Why not hand it over to a guy um, who's uh, on the steady incline? And he's a younger dude. He's like 41 years old or whatnot. And, mm-hmm. uh, and see what happens there. So the more we um, we watch how Mike McDonald is moving and who they're interviewing, the the better idea we have of, of the direction when it comes to this coaching staff and the roles that everybody is going to play. Now, you also have to keep an eye if you, like me, were sold by uh, one three-second clip. Okay, two minutes, third down, game's on the f- line. If you were sold on Aiden Durd, uh, defensive line coach for the Dallas Cowboys, just based on that, you also have to keep an eye, obviously, on Dan Quinn as he hires out his coaching staff for the Commanders because Durd was a defensive line coach under Quinn as defensive coordinator there with Dallas. Did a phenomenal job, Mm -hmm. right? Um, He's been there for uh, 21, 22, three seasons. Um, And uh, in those three seasons, much like I look at Dan Quinn and I would look at anyone on that coaching staff, that Dallas defense has been essentially a top five, sometimes seven-ish, but essentially a top five unit in scoring uh, and in yards allowed per game. They have great players, but... A lot of teams have great players. It's yep. about what you do with them, too. Yeah, you got you to gotta get them to execute, right? You got to get them to do their thing. And um, that, that's the question. And uh, I think Aiden, um, 
focus. He's obviously on the def- defensive side. He's been a LB coach as well and a D-line coach. So now you're bringing in a guy who has fresh eyes, right? But he also understands the box. Mm-hmm. I think the secondary is going to be fine. I think um, I'm not saying you can just bring in any coach of the secondary and they'll be good to go. But the least of my concerns is the secondary other than what are you going to do with Jamal and how does Julian play into this whole thing? But I look at the personnel and I go, all right, you're good to go. Now, not the part that concerns me, but the part that I think needs the most attention is, is clearly the box, right? The defensive line, uh, who are you yeah. going to sign, how are they going to yeah. execute, and then that second level with the linebacker core, how are you going to get those guys to execute, and then who you are going to sign there as well, and who are you going to draft? So I, I like that you're bringing in uh, some fresh eyes. Everyone's going to be fresh, but you're bringing in a guy that specializes in that box because that's the most complicated part of football, mm-hmm. um, gap integrity, setting the edge, filling the alley. Um, identifying the box if you're on the offensive side, communicating with the offensive line. A lot of the main communication goes on in that box. On the outside, there is communication, but there's a lot more feel, right? My eyes are uh, to the one receiver, to the two. I'm going to pass them all to my safety. There's more just physical communication than verbal on the back end. So, yeah, I, I like um, – I, I didn't know much about the dude. Didn't know him at all yeah. before his name was mentioned. But after – Digging into it and diving into it. He's been around some good coaches, some good names, and um, and his his specialty is what I think needs the most focus on defense. I absolutely agree, and I also, you know, not to get back to this, which we talked about earlier this week, that idea of an injection of new voices and eyes and ears, but it is so fascinating to watch that develop for this coaching staff. Again, both you and I assume DC was maybe settled with Frazier. Mm-hmm. You know, turns out they may bring in another DC, a young guy, have Frazier truly be assistant head coach and kind of a mentor for McDonald as he goes through his first head coaching gig. Um, but uh, it's it's fascinating, and I'm so for bringing in a lot of voices. Maybe it doesn't work, right? That's inherent to risk. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe having a ton of new head coaches, including some first, maybe a first-time defensive coordinator. If it's not uh, Chip Kelly uh, or it's not someone who's been around, maybe it's a first-time offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an incredibly young coaching staff, but I think one thing we can both say this coaching staff was missing for a while was outside voices. Yep. Yeah, you gotta you gotta shake it up. And that's what the the hire of Mike McDonald does. And now I think um the more we we um we hear about names that are attached to Mike McDonald and, and the Seahawks organization, I think the more we can kind of dig into what Mike McDonald's personality is. Because you typically surround yourself with guys who are like-minded, right? Yeah. Um, especially in football. You're also going to surround yourself with guys who are like-minded but but different in ways. But we start to see what the personality and the culture of this team could be. I look at Mike McDonald and I look at Leslie Frazier. Just from what I know of those two guys, this defense is going to be detail-oriented. They're going to be um, good against the pass. I think uh, Leslie's Frazier's offenses have, uh, excuse me, defense have struggled against the run a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about that. Mike McDonald's defenses have been good against the run. So, like, with those, I said it yesterday, some Captain Planet, right? With those powers combined, all right? <laughs> Put our powers ha- together. You have um, potentially great leadership on the defensive side of the ball. And then you add in kind of the wild card, like a, a Coach Aiden, who might get a job, might not, we shall see. And I like the 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 potential of the versatility of that defense when it comes to ideas and communication. Can I say something? The 206. I've been hearing about the new 710 host pictures. Where can I find them? I don't want to tell you where to find them. 
<laughs> I don't want to tell you because I spent a long time getting ready for those photos. Yeah, you look good. Salt's well, a hater. Here's the deal. <laughs> As the only woman on air, I am constantly terrified of people saying mean things. Someone the other day said I had a five head. Someone on a YouTube videos told me to put on more makeup. We work in fluorescent lighting, mind you. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm constantly terrified of any new photo, any opportunity for anyone to say anything mean. Uh, I don't want to tell you where to find the photos. I thought I looked great. You did. You look good. <laughs> but you apparently good. Bob Stelton outshined us all. That's one man's perspective. I, you know, I'll say this about Bob. Bob, one time I asked Bob if he takes any supplements. Um, and I would just like to say for the record, Bob is quite a bit older than me. I asked Bob <laughs> if he takes any supplements, and he said he takes turmeric, and I bought turmeric. Did you? That's how, what does that that's do? how young what Bob that? looks for his age. What is that? I don't. It's like a seasoning. All I know, it's is it's used often in Indian food. That's all I know about okay. it. Only because okay. my, not my real aunt, but my my aunt, aunt <laughs> is, is Indian, and all, that's all I know about it. Um, and so... Um, I I was like, okay, great, fantastic. I'll do exactly what you're doing. So I will say that about Bob. If he wanted to sell you, if he wanted to go out and hawk pills to make you look younger, I would buy whatever he sold. Bob looks good. And you know what? We look good. Know, we look, Salk looks older than Bob, so Whoa. what are we saying there? Someone let me know that that, <laughs> uh, that apparently one, one Michael Salk was trash talking us. Yeah, hey, you're all right. Come you for know? us. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're the we're the youthful babies of the, of the seven ten lineup. Do players think we're nine hundred years old? Sure, but yeah, that doesn't sure. matter. That's, that that's, that's like earlier. Fine. You guys earlier when I did the snapshot, I was writing about um, the Edmonton Oilers having a sixteen game win streak ruined by Vegas. It's a shame they almost tied a, a league record, which was seventeen games. That record was set by the Penguins in nineteen ninety two, and I was and I was writing out twenty years ago. And Bump had to correct me that it was 30 <laughs> years ago. And I have you guys had that feeling? What feeling? That, that feeling old? of being. Yeah. That feeling of oh, being yeah. like, oh, 92. And someone's like, oh, that was 30 years ago. I hired, now 32, three years ago. I hired a, uh, one of my employees who was born in 95. I was like, goodness gracious. 95. Yeah. Old to be young. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but now it's not even now people born in 95 complain about how old they are. You know, like, what are know you what doing? What do you mean? Shut, it. Shut up! Shut, it. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone said turmeric's an anti-inflammatory. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Bob uses it. I don't know. I think that Bob should be an Instagram influencer for skincare products, and I'm gonna help him get hooked up with that. Uh, all right, you guys. Uh, coming up next. My favorite segment that we have on—I keep gassing you up about this, but it really is—and I, I, I know that you're going to say, a lot of pressure, "I know, man. I know, it's a lot of pressure." But I'm telling you, bump—you deliver every single time. Here's the problem with get off my lawn: none of us, not me, not Matt, who's behind the uh, control board, not anyone except for bump, know what we're going to talk about. So I. I don't know what to tease. I don't know what the topics today are going to be. All I know is they're going to be hot fire because this is the best segment you're going to hear on our station ever. Don't go anywhere. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. What can the Seahawks learn from, of all defenses, the Chiefs? Plus, is Justin Fields an option at quarterback for Seattle? That's coming up in 15 minutes. Before we get to it, it's Get Off My Lawn with Michael Bumpus. Bump, what you got for us today? Man, um, how's everybody doing today? Great. Woo! It- I'll be the stand-in because <laughs> listeners can't respond. We're great! You can, you can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me right now. Get off my lawn. You know, um, I got three kids, and... 
a lot of the times, like, I got to be the bad cop, right? I'm the one who sure. comes in with a stern voice and shaking stuff up so mom doesn't have to do it all the time. And every now and then, man, I, I come in and I'm just, I have to take the calm approach to disciplining my kids, right? So for this first one, it's get off my lawn, but it's more like, can you kindly just get off my lawn? Okay. Like, just, just get off my Politely. lawn. Politely get off my lawn. So the first one, and the reason why I say this is because I respect this group and I love this group. I appreciate this group. I'm just talking about the Mariners fans right now. Could you just kindly get off my lawn just a little bit? I'm 40. Just a little bit. Like, I understand why you're on my lawn, right? But just get off a little bit. And the reason why I say get off my lawn kindly to the Mariners fans, it's just some of them, right? Because um, I think DePoto's gotten a lot of heat over the past six, eight months. Scared for you. 54%. I get it. Right? You don't come out and say, we want to win 54% of the time. But um, I also realized that my man has a budget, a strict budget to deal with. Right, Going into the offseason, we're thinking, all right, man, they're going to have $160 million to play with. And uh, standing in the ownership, go, no, 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 we'll add about $5 more million to that thing. Right? Yet, we want this team to get better and compete with everybody else. Okay? So, I'm looking at this situation, and I go, I'm okay with the offseason. There are so many people who text in who are angry. They want more. They want more. They want more. And I understand that, and you should want more. But I go, look, you got to understand what the is dealing with right now. $145 million, and you had to make some tough decisions. You look at the Suarez decision. What we found out as of late, Suarez was coming into training camp overweight. Right? He was coming in overweight. Um, his bad I say curvy. His, his curvy. I like that. There's always a place for everybody. No body shaming here. My man was a bit curvy. All right? You smack him, it might wiggle a little bit. Okay? <laughs> he came in just overweight the last couple times, and they were really trying to deal him last year, but, but didn't really go through with it, right? He had conditioning issues. His power numbers were low. His bat speed was, lo- was slower, and you have to pay him $11 million this year. And then we go to Teoscar Hernandez, right? Now, if the Mariners were to send him a qualifying offer, all right, and he rejected the Mariners would have received a draft pick. People are saying, man, send that qualifying offer. Man, you get that draft pick. But what if he doesn't, doesn't? Then you're on the hook for $23 million, and you're not getting the defensive play that you want out of tail. He did have some good moments. I'm just saying. And then I go to Jared Kelnick. My man just wasn't happy. He wasn't happy here, right? You got to move this dude. So I'm looking at this situation. I go, look, you got three situations with players. One guy slowing down. Another guy would have been uh, owed $23 million. One dude just wasn't happy to be here. You got to move on from that. And it reminds me of what my mom used to tell me when I didn't want to eat all the dinner, all the food. So there are kids all across the world who are starving right now. You eat your food. And that's what I felt like when I'm looking at this situation. You know who the starving kids are? The A's. <laughs> the Royals. The Rockies, the White Sox, the Angels, who had a whole bunch of food but didn't want to eat, and the Pirates. So I'm just saying, M's fans who are frustrated with the offseason, I understand you. I feel you, okay? And you should feel something. But just kindly get off my lawn because— I'm he, a man! I'm 40! He only had 145 middle to deal with, and this team has okay. gotten better and kept their arms. I'm sorry, M's fans. Get at me. I understand it. But kindly remove yourself from my lawn. All right, what's next? All right, next one. I'm a man! I'm 40! This one goes out to the Niner fans. All the Niner fans out there. Okay? Niner gang, bing, bing, bang. Yes, I'm talking to y'all. <laughs> you have won five Super Bowls, 82, 85, 89, 90, and 95. 
five. Almost 30 years ago was the last time that you won a Super Bowl. I was my son's age the last time that you won a Super Bowl. And you know what? You better win this one. This is the ultimate opportunity for you to win a Super Bowl this year because that window is going to be slowly closing. Just like we talk about the Dallas Cowboys, if the 49ers don't get this done, you got to start talking about the 49ers like the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys haven't been to a conference championship game in a long time, but they get all the hype, all the hype. Shanahan, all the hype. Brock Purdy, all the hype. And they deserve that stuff. But at some point, you got to win this same ball game. And you better, it better happen fast. Trent Williams is 35 years old. My man is getting old. George Kittle, he's 30. He's got a few more years left in him, but he's getting up there. And McCaffrey has played seven hard years in mm-hmm. the NFL. Your window is going to close shortly. If you cannot beat this Kansas City team this year with the weapons that they have and don't have, I don't know if you're going to be able to do it. In 2025, you got Ward, who's going to be a free agent. So you got one more year with him. You got Greenlaw, who's going to be a free agent. You got Brandon Ayuk, who's going to be a free agent. You got Hufunga, who's going to be a free agent. This team is going to look different. This is your one opportunity to get this W. And also, you're going to have to pay Brock Purdy here sooner or later. Mr. Irrelevant, if he continues to play the way he's been playing, he is going to be that guy, and he is going to require a whole bunch of money. I'm looking at the 49ers in the situation that they have right now. They have to get it done this year. If you do not get it done this year, I don't see it happening for the next two or three years after you sign Brock Purdy to a bigger deal mm-hmm. because you're going to have to pay him, and then this team's going to look different. Debo's going to get banged up. Trent Williams is on his way out. I'm looking at the defense. Guys graduate. I heard it this morning on, uh, I forget what show. Guys graduate from the 49ers, and they move off somewhere, and they make money. So I'm looking at you Niners. Play for me one more time, Matt. Niner gang, bing, bing, bang. If y'all don't get it done this year, if y'all do not get it done this year, it's going to be tough for you. And Shanahan needs you to get it done. He has the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history. You need to focus on that a bit more. Do you have one more? Got one more. All right, what's last? I'm a man. I'm 40. All right. So this is this is my last one, man. Okay. Goodness gracious. All right. Why do I go places and I'm forced to tip people? I'm oh, forced to Bob's tip. Be careful. I cannot stand this now. Be Listen, I'm a good tipper. I'm going. I'm probably going to tip you even if the service is horrible because I understand you're working with minimum wage. You rely on this to feed your family. I get it. But I'm so tired of going to Starbucks and before I even can pay for my stuff, I got to decide if I'm going to tip you one, two, three, or four, five dollars. I'm going to tip you regardless. But can I tip you after I've received all my stuff? After I can, I can. I might even tip you more if the service is great. If you're forcing me to tip you before I get my stuff. You're just going to get a dollar because I'm like, I don't know what this experience is going to be like right now. After it, after it, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> little Johnny, little Bobby, little Sarah, you know, going, going to high school or, or trying to pay for college. You know, you did a great job. I love the conversation. Here's five dollars for you. So, you know what? Hey, I'm tired of a, a um, answer a few questions before you pay. No, nah, you're pretty much saying pay me before you get your stuff because we're forcing you to tip. I understand. I get it. I'm a good tipper. I eat. I t- Stacy, even if the service is bad, I tip well. I believe that's it. just what I do. I believe. All it. right, but don't make me do it before I get all my stuff. Get off my day long with these <laughs> I'm a man. forcing me I'm to tip. Goodness gracious! <laughs> oh, I was worried about that one. I think that one was the best. <laughs> I think it was the best. It got the uh, a ton of support. Someone said, "So carry some cash, dude." First of all. No one carries Who cash? cash. Nobody carries cash. It's 2024. I don't even know what cash is. Secondly, I actually am with you on this one. And and before anyone says anything, I used to be a waitress. Okay, I've worked. I've also worked in a mall, which you don't tip. But like, trust me, I've experienced horrible customer service relationships. And even I can say that sometimes tipping culture is crazy. When I go get my nails done, the options to tip at uh, it starts at 18 percent, and it says. There's like words associated. So it says, how was your service today? 18% is good. (laughs) 25% great. 
30%. Awesome. And then uh, like 35% tip is the best. So I, when you look at it, you go, oh, it was great. Oh, it was the best. And then I realize I'm tipping 30%. 30%. That's what I'm saying. So there's Sam. a little bit of like a, you know, maybe companies need to pay people more. <laughs> maybe. You know what I'm saying? But I'm a good tipper, man. I, yeah. I'll get you. Don't worry about it. But don't don't force me to do it, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, you guys. The uh, the Chiefs uh, did uh, a lot with their defense in just a couple years. Y'all remember back in 2019, the story of how the Chiefs won the Super Bowl had nothing to do with their defensive players, despite having some stellar defensive players and doing really well with sack totals. But... Since then, they've turned this thing around. They are the number two scoring defense in the NFL in the regular season, and it's helped lead them to a chance at a yet another Super Bowl win. What did they do during that short time, and what can the Seahawks learn from it? Plus, is Justin Fields a real option at quarterback for Seattle? All that coming your way next.